you would agree in sports, your home for college football and college basketball. My name is Cole, and I am here with my great, great friend, a loser on this fine Wednesday afternoon, and has been a loser for the last three years, Jeff Tate, Ohio State Jeff Tate. What an absolute weekend. Uh, I had a great weekend, Jeff. How was your weekend? Honestly, it was a good weekend. It, the game obviously sucks, and uh, we are recording this on Wednesday, so I did make all of our fans wait a little bit. I uh, wasn't feeling great to start the week. Cole was traveling a little bit and just needed some time, you know, to decompress from that game. Uh, luckily, I have uh, matured a lot in my fandom, and I don't let uh, losses just kill me like I used to when I was younger, where it would literally ruin my next day and I couldn't even think and stuff. Now, to say I'm happy that Michigan beat Ohio State, I, I'm not happy Michigan beat Ohio State. Um, I love that it was finally a great game. Um, it wasn't the last few years. Uh, it would never really, Michigan pulled away late um, and so forth. Uh, but for just college football fans, it was one of those games where, I mean, I saw that they, they released today the uh, ratings for that game. And I think it was, I mean, it's the highest rated watch game since 2011. Um, so fans knew the what this game meant. And yeah, Cole, I mean, it was a great win for Michigan. Um, but as an Ohio State fan, you you have to, uh, this this will get into my rant that I will get into. You have to, you have to realize something that I don't think Ohio State fans have realized. Or no, they definitely have realized, but they don't want to admit it. Michigan is an elite football program. And to be honest with you, Ohio State fans just think, oh, it's Michigan, they'll roll over this year. Oh, they'll go back to being old Michigan, they'll lose the game. And that's just, I mean, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, because it's All it is is because of the recent success, obviously the last three years for Michigan, but then the basically the last 15 years before that for Ohio State fans, they just think that automatically they're going to beat Michigan every year. And this is... I am not the type that actually truly thinks that. I, I know how good Michigan is. And it's one of those things because Michigan is the teams that Ohio State was beating in the early like 2010s, those were some garbage Michigan football teams. Like those teams, in all honesty, had none of the same talent, none of the same anything. I mean, Cole, you'd have to agree with me. And then coaching is a massive thing in that. You have Brady Hoke, you have Rich Rod. Those, the, I hate Harbaugh. I hate how goofy he is. I hate everything that he is sometimes. But the guy's a heck of a coach. I mean, he's one in the NFL. He's one in college. And Ohio State fans, and I'm going to let you talk real quick, Cole. And we're going to keep going, obviously. But Ohio State fans have to start realizing that Michigan is as good a program. And the last three years, head-to-head, has been the better program. So you can't just always assume you're winning every single time you play them. And this was the first time that they were favored to win and should have won Michigan. And Ohio State actually played decent football and had a chance. So it's one of those things, Cole. It's it's uh, it's I. You're the only Michigan fan that I can even semi congratulate for the win. Um, but it was a great win for Michigan. It's a great time to be a Wolverine, obviously. Um, and you guys are gonna go to. Uh, another playoff. It's gonna be three in a row for you guys, and you guys just gotta win a game there because you gotta get there. You gotta win a game, but I think you guys are set up 
pretty well. Depends who you play in the playoff, but I think you guys you guys got a great team. So congrats, Cole. This is the this is the uh, hard thing to do, but it's what I I'm not gonna avoid it. Good job, Cole. Good job, Michigan. Uh, what were your thoughts on the game? I mean, it was a glorious Saturday, uh, a great game for the first time in a while, like you said, because even before the years that Michigan was blowing out Ohio State, Ohio State was blowing out Michigan. So it, it's been a lot of years of blowouts, and it was it was a great game. Um, for the record, Michigan did cover. Good teams win, great teams cover. Um, that makes me uh, two and two betting against Ohio State this year, so that was nice. Um, and it was... I mean, three in a row. It was a storyline we talked about at the beginning of the year. The, the year of three-peats, we're still waiting to see. Uh, Georgia's very much in the mix for that three-peat, but Michigan um, uh, was a talking point for us before the season started. Will Michigan complete uh, get to three in a row? And, and they did. And it just it, – they this one seemed like the most solid win out of all of them. Um, just because there wasn't anything crazy. They weren't There weren't big plays. It was really just – football versus football and like the players going at each other and every inch and every down mattered and the fact that Michigan was able to come up with that almost made it feel like even more of a real win than some in the past where you just kind of run away with it and some like big plays they weren't fluke big plays in the past but there's always that what if you took away those big plays what would have happened um and then so it was nice to win it a different way for once and it was a great game um it was Fun to watch Michigan be on such just the side that didn't make any mistakes was so consistent all day. They had the lead. They didn't give up the lead at all the whole game. Um, And it was just, it was, it was very, very consistent. They, they didn't give up big plays. I think the longest run was 12 yards for Travion Henderson. It was, um, it was just a very clean win and they didn't do anything to lose. And honestly, that is what set apart. These two teams was the two picks um, from Kyle McCord is what set the game apart. Um, I will say, so people who are all screaming for that, it's, it's actually less this year than last year uh, upset with Ryan Day need him to leave. I do think people are talking about, but not as much as last year. I would say that is more warranted for me personally than, uh, Kyle McCord that everyone is screaming Kyle McCord sucks Kyle McCord this Kyle McCord I I really Kyle McCord made some great throws on Saturday he he I don't think he played that bad of a game he made um a dumb throw uh at the beginning where he kind of didn't even uh check the read right it was like Marvin Harrison or nothing on this play I think he it was, it was an option RPO play it looked like and he just threw it um to where Will Johnson was sitting um he he sat on that route he knew it was coming um and McCord, I think, didn't even check it there. Um, he just knew where his guy was going to be. So that was a big mistake. And then the last one, um, yes, he could have checked it down. He got hit as he threw. Uh, it's still a bad interception, the last one. But he made a lot of great throws and did some led some very good drives for Ohio State against a really good defense. Um, I think those mistakes from him are easily fixable. I don't think Ohio State needs a new quarterback. I think a year of growth um, for him, can he can be still very good. Um, but I don't know. I might, I think I might be in the minority with that take, but, um, that's what I got from seeing the game. I think McCord did make some amazing throws. Um, and it was, I mean, Michigan just, they didn't dominate, but they played better. 
they just that's pretty much all it was. It was it was pretty it was really splitting hairs. JJ played a really good game, a really clean game, which is the opposite Kyle McCord. Um, Blake Corum stood up when we needed him, and really the play of the game was Blake Corum's 22-yard touchdown run after Zinter goes down with a horrific injury, um, and it almost felt like the whole team was dead. It was a really emotional moment. Uh, the Michigan fans, this is big where home field advantage came into play. Michigan fans basically uplifted this team, um, was cheering Zinter's name, and, and, and really, uh, if you haven't seen it, go watch Joel Klatt's uh, clip of he tells a story as he was there because it was during commercial break and it's really no matter what team you're a fan of I know it's probably hard for Ohio State fans to watch it but it really is a cool uh, moment in the game and then the very next play Blake Corman I think that is really what turned the game around and then that last interception was for me on top of the world um, this game was sealed it was an amazing play it was it was one where you're just on the edge, just like, oh no, is Ohio State going to drive? It's only a six point game. Are they going to score a touchdown to kick the extra point when the game ripped my heart out? Um, and this, the defense came up like they have a lot this year, stood up, made the big play. Um, and I mean, the cheers that were coming from my household, the cheers, if you've watched any videos from reactions to people, um, the cheers from coming for through all of Michigan Nation and at the big house were very loud. And it was one of my favorite moments of watching Michigan football. And uh, it's just great to win another one, be 3-0. and And yeah, I mean, we didn't even have Connor Stallions this time. I mean, it's crazy. No, it's one of those things where the – College football is changing, um, and so for the Ohio State fans out there that I know are calling for Ryan Day's head, they are calling for instrumental changes, stop. Um, college football is different next year. Uh, Ohio State is a playoff team next year, and to be honest, Michigan is their ultimate kryptonite right now and the style Michigan plays. Um, but when you get into what the playoffs going to be uh, next year and going forward, it's a whole new different era of college football, and Ryan Day is the guy that Ohio State needs to have. Um, the, the crowd out there that says fire Ryan Day, um, first of all, who would want to take that Ohio State job if you lo- never have lost to a Big Ten team in four years, um, and you're, you have a playoff win, uh, and your big thing, obviously, is three in a row to Michigan. Um, I don't know who you bring in to a program like that. Uh, there's, I was listening to a, the, probably my favorite guy to listen to on college football, and he, Josh Pate talked about everyone thinks you can go get a home run hire. There's no such thing. The last home run hire that, um, from a, like a name standpoint, was Lincoln Riley to USC. And the early returns on Lincoln Riley to USC are horrible. He had the best quarterback probably in college football and a lot of people's opinion the last 10 years and they did nothing. They were seven and five. The home run hire does not exist. Ryan day is the best guy for Ohio state because he can recruit at an elite level. And to be honest, he's their teams aren't built to play a Michigan and beat Michigan. Um, and he tried to change, uh, the defense, the defense didn't lose them this game at all. Um, you look at every statistical category, Ohio state won except rushing yards and that's just that's that's how it works. Like sometimes the stats don't show the story. And in that game, really, I thought it was a very evenly matched game. It came down to Kyle McCord making the worst throw I could have imagined because you just can't force that. Uh, you have 
you have Marvin Harrison. You don't need to force feed the guy. Um, early in the game, you just don't need to do that. And so that's where the criticism for Kyle McCord is warranted because this year he's made the poor decision um, in some big spots. Uh, didn't have too many in Notre Dame, uh, but we talked about the Penn State game. He, to be honest, got stripped, and it was just a stupid play, and he got bailed out by a holding call. So I agree. I don't think they're – I don't think they're panicking for Kyle McCord because you look at what there's a direct correlation in college football to difference from being a first year starter to difference in being a second year starter. Perfect example is JJ McCarthy. Now, yes, Michigan got to a playoff with JJ as the starter and uh, JJ's JJ's better than Kyle McCord, but JJ's growth from year one to year two as a starter is noticeable. Um, you Anyone that watches Michigan play knows J.J. is better at football this year than he was last year. So that's the hope, I think, for Ohio State fans. Ohio State's always going to have the skill positions. Um, they're just they're always going to have it. Um, I mean, they got the best player in the country for offense coming in next year. But you have to – the defense, if the defense can stay how they did this year, Ohio State's fine going forward. Um, they got to keep Jim Knowles around. Uh, that one's a little – that one's a little worrisome because he's the probably lead candidate for Duke's job, which Cole and I are going to get to some jobs or coaching jobs later. But, yeah, it was it was one of those games where this is the first time Ohio State on paper and in uh, the, most people's opinion should have lost the game, and they lost the game. But uh, it was an amazing game. It, it obviously sucks to be the fan of the team that loses that game. I mean, it, it doesn't matter, like – how the game goes just if you lose that game um it sucks and obviously that's ohio state season barring crazy miracles happening this weekend which i don't think are going to happen so it's a, it's another year for ohio state that they did not beat michigan it's another year they did not get to a big 10 championship um but ohio state fans don't a lot of a lot of ohio state fans a lot of it's social media nowadays just bashing the kids and stuff and, and kyle mccord's taking too much uh, hate. I mean, it's just like it's one of those things where a lot of that's on the coaching. And he had a chance to recruit JG McCarthy, and he recruited Kyle McCord, and that's a decision you make. And obviously, it's still early, I guess. In the, I mean, McCord could come out next year having a heck of an off season and look like a great quarterback. Um, but I think what this boils down to is the direct correlation in Ohio State's three losses in a row to Michigan. They don't have a mobile quarterback. Um, that is a really big thing in a Ryan Day offense. Um, you look at the last time they got to a national championship game. Uh, Justin Fields was the quarterback. Now, you can have your opinion of Justin Fields with the Bears and how he's maybe not the best thrower, and those are all accurate. In Ohio or at Ohio State in college, when you uh, have a lot more time to make throws and everything, you're going to look really good. So that's something I would maybe want to see Ohio State look at. Uh, their five-star coming in this year. He is that type of a quarterback. Uh, Aaron Nolan, he can run it. Um, big kid. The problem is, is I think it's really hard to start a true freshman, uh, as you know, at quarterback. I think that's a very, very hard thing to do. Um, and so I don't know what you're going to get out of it. But, uh, it, yeah, it's a failed season from a standpoint of the postseason for Ohio State. But uh, it's changing. College football is a little bit different next year. And uh, – it is a bummer that this game probably won't ever have the stakes that it did on Saturday. Uh, that game was, I mean, the talked about game, and it's going to still be. Uh, both these teams are going to be 
up there every single year, I think, uh, as long as uh, the only thing that could hurt Michigan is coaching leaves and that type of stuff. But I don't even think that could affect their um, how they are as a program. So it was a good – it was an amazing game. I can't even say good. It was an amazing game. It's one that you watch and you can't even sit still. Uh, you just, you're up, uh, fist bumping when a thing goes right. You're obviously – I don't – I wasn't – I wasn't too mad because I had uh, someone special with me watching the game, so I couldn't be too crazy. But I, uh, yeah, it was it was an amazing football game. And if you're not an Ohio State or Michigan fan, and you just sat back and did not have uh, the the passion that Cole and I have, obviously for our teams, what a way to watch a football game, and what a way to start uh, the last week of college football. Yeah, it was it was if you're either. A bias to the whole country, except for Ohio State fans. That was like an amazing game. Um, I mean, here here's something. So what I, what I on Kyle McCord, I don't think he is. He he does deserve criticism for his bad mistakes. A hundred percent. What I'm saying is not to the extent that Ohio State, uh, kind of you know the the trashy ones. Uh, like to do, which is most of them on Twitter uh, and DM uh, the student athletes that's and tweet at them that uh, no college kid deserves that. Um, but he deserves criticism as far as like game film, looking at it, it was your fault. Yes. Um, what I'm saying is I saw a lot of promise that would say, yes, we can move forward with him. There's, there's a lot of good there. We need to clean up these mistakes and we need to put some work in, in this off season. Um, maybe even try to get them a little more mobile. Like you said, however, Ryan day has not been the guy who has got mobile quarterbacks. It was urban Meyer. Urban Meyer is who leaned on the rushing attack more than Ryan day has urban Meyer is well, one had fields. Urban Meyer brought they in fields. fields, but urban Meyer is the one who brought him in. Yeah. So urban Meyer is the one who, cause I, I it might've been the year urban left still, but he was the one who was in talks with fields. I remember and um, was trying to bring him in. Um, so that's, that's just my, I mean, I could be wrong. I'm sure you're looking it up right now, but I'm pretty sure I remember it being urban Meyer that brought him in the year before he left. Um, and, I, Urban Myers talked about this at length too. Um, that he that they need to establish the run and have the threat with the quarterback, like JT Barrett used to do as well. Um, just like countless others, Braxton Miller. Um, on your so, the one argument I have, I'm not saying obviously Ryan Day shouldn't be fired with that with that record. However, there is a slight difference in. To anyone outside of the rivalry, your job description is being exceeded by Ryan Day of like win these many games, it's exceeded. However, there's something on the job description that Michigan coaches have and Ohio State coaches have is beat Michigan, beat Ohio State. That is on not the resume on your it's on the job description. It has to say beat one year school. And right now Ryan Day is not living up to that part of his job description. So from that point of view, if you look at it like that. Yeah, like maybe that's your argument. Um, obviously, I still don't think he should. But if you look at it from black and white, not being the job description, that's true. But it takes time. I mean, Jim Harbaugh took him five years to beat Ohio State. Um, and then the point uh, that you recycled from Josh Pay of it's hard to get a home run higher. It is. It's very hard. We saw that with, with Texas A&M. They were hoping to get like 
some crazy name like Ryan Day or like Davo Sweeney, and, and they got Mike Alco, which I think is a great hire. But it has happened where it's worked. Um, obviously not Lincoln Riley yet. We'll see. Um, but I think Jim Harbaugh has worked. He was a home run hire. Just got out of the Super Bowl uh, within the past two years. I think that was an absolutely a home run hire for Michigan. That was one of the ones that you like knock out of the park. Yeah. And then the other one I think is Urban Meyer to Ohio State. I think him away from national champion Florida. He had taken a year or so off. Um, that was a home run hire for Ohio State. So while you can't expect to have a home run hire all the time, I I will say you you do, Ohio, programs like Ohio State have a chance at a home run hire. Um, but if I'm Ohio State, I'm content with Ryan Day. I think he's he is the home run hire that any other school would want. So I don't think that's that's the thing. I'm just kind of being devil's advocate to some of your points there. Where um, if you wanted to look at it from that way, I wouldn't say you're totally crazy, but um, those are my only two, I guess, rebukes on that. Yeah, but you got to think too of those two. Harbaugh was a played at Michigan, uh, such a unique like Harbaugh. Obviously, had the Michigan tie coming in, and then Urban had the Ohio tie. So it is, it. it I agree. It's just I, the people that want Ryan Day are they're absolutely insane. The dude's lost seven football games in four years, three of which to Michigan. Yeah, that's totally. Like, it's fair. I, I agree. That game means so, so much. And it should. I mean, that's how it goes. And you lose those games. But find me another coach in the country that could come in and just not lose a Big Ten game. Except the thing is, Urban, who obviously is was a just brought Ohio State a national championship, um, a lot of stuff, every, Big Ten championship almost every year. He lost to – he'd have random lose, losses to Iowa – Random losses to Purdue, to Michigan State. Um, now, obviously, he beat Michigan every year. But those Michigan teams are not the Michigan teams you see today. So it is what it is. And it's one of those things where, yeah, the McCord hate, the big thing on the McCord hate, Cole, is that game was even, totally even. And he threw a pick and got Michigan the ball at the seven-yard line um, when there was no reason to force it. And in a lot of people's opinion, and mine included, that's a game, that's a losing play. Like you're going to lose games like that when you're that close, and you give a team like Michigan the ball at the seven uh, yard line, they're going to score a touchdown. That's just how good they are. Um, and yeah, that's exactly it. What's your final point? And then we'll get to talk to some other games. Yeah, that was absolutely a game losing play. Don't I 100% believe that. Um, if you could choose right now to have Ryan Day or Urban Meyer. Obviously, don't think about any of the logistics to it. If you could just choose who your head coach is. Urban Meyer. Right that's okay. an easy – that's an easy okay. – yeah. I mean, I'm that's, just curious. If, if any Ohio State fan in the world says Ryan Day, then they're crazy because you – Urban Meyer – any coaching – any program would want Urban Meyer if you took out the other stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think any every program in the country takes Urban Meyer right now unless you're Michigan, Bama, or Georgia. Yeah, I mean, I if you there's no other argument in my opinion. But speaking of Bama, Cole, we'll move on because that was we we had to give that the the tension. It hold deserves. this, Al Buckeye Nation. <laughs> yeah, well, well, we had to hold it for a, a bit, so until next year. But speaking of Bama, uh, there wasn't really many great games Saturday. I mean, after that Ohio State game, it was kind of what could live up to that game. Well, Alabama Auburn tried for a game that was not. Uh, 
on paper supposed to be a good game. Obviously, Bama's number nine in the country going on the road to play Auburn. Auburn just lost to New Mexico State. And Jalen Milrow with a 31-yard touchdown on fourth and goal for the win. Uh, it was crazy. Uh, he said Heisman me. I don't know about that, Jalen. I mean, I wanted you to do that earlier. Next year you might be. You're going to be one of the favorites for the Heisman, but not this year. Uh, and that was one that Alabama season was literally hanging by a thread. And you don't make that touchdown. You got no chance to make the playoff. And now you go to get play Georgia next week, and you have a chance to make the playoff. So what a game call. I mean, that one was – I mean, if Ohio State-Michigan didn't happen that day – uh, that game would definitely have stole the headlines uh, because it was an amazing game. It's a rivalry game, as uh, as always. And you called this one. I didn't think it was going to be close, and early it didn't look like it was going to be close. Um, but Auburn, for some reason, against Georgia and Bama this year, have been able to run the football at a very high level. And they did that and uh, really should have won the game. But Alabama won, and they survived. Yeah, Auburn, they were consistently drawing up plays to get their guys in space and they were getting big chunk plays um and their defense was stopping them well it was a very well schemed game um obviously it's a rivalry game uh players play outside of themselves outside of their abilities as far as better um coaches coach outside of themselves but also at the same time especially when you're the favorite and you have everything to lose you can also play a little tighter if you're bama um i don't think this is if you're a Bama fan, you don't need to be worried. And if if you hear me saying, if you're a Bama fan, you don't need to be worried, you know that I mean that. Because <laughs> um, it's a rivalry game, and it's the second biggest rivalry in all of college football, and these p- programs absolutely hate each other. Um, and you're, this is not the same team that's going to show up against Georgia this weekend, I would assume. It's just you're playing a little tighter. Um, it was very well coached by Auburn. And, I mean, Auburn absolutely should have won this game. Uh, The thing they did on defense that was so disruptive is they got Milrow to be uncomfortable. They made him have to move, but not in a way where he was, like, running outside the pocket for 10 yards. He'd have to get uncomfortably moved to avoid pressure. And that was when uh, Milrow was prone to make mistakes, yes, but really not burn you um and i think they might have which is which is also why it's absolutely crazy that they didn't rush more than two guys and a spy on that last play because the thing that was working for them all day was pressure on milro getting him uncomfortable i i i get you know you would think you would have with all those guys back you'd be able to have the guy covered in the in the corner um however the thing that made Milrow not great yesterday or on Saturday was the pressure that they would put on him and making him uncomfortable off rhythm, off timing throws. And I don't know why you wouldn't at least rush four to just get an extra guy in there because you would think, oh, after a certain amount of time, they would get get one there to make him uncomfortable. But it was just I I just obviously like most of the country disagrees with that defensive call. Um, but Auburn might have shown a little something. Uh, to Georgia as far as what they needed to do to make uh, Milrow uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> Milrow got walking off that field. <laughs> Give me the Heisman. I mean, that was comedy. Like, buddy, you're not even close to the Heisman. Like, you're not there this year. And you just had a miracle play on a game where you didn't play great 
against a team that lost by 30 to New Mexico State last week. You're not, like, <laughs> calm down. I don't know who's feeding him the information that he's even in that conversation right now. Um, he's just having but, fun. I mean, a little self-awareness would be great. Hey, if you took the guy's stats the last six weeks, he'd actually probably be a, in New York because that guy has a, been it's a twelve. It's a 12-week award, Jeff. It is. It is a 12-week award. But, no, that – yeah, that was not a good play at all. From Sometimes coaches just panic in late game like that, and they're like, ah, oh, we're just going to go everybody in the end zone. We're going to rush a few guys and call it good. And it never – it seems to go against them a lot. I mean – you just watch NFL games, like guys throw Hail Marys at the end of the half and it gets pick six. It's just like sometimes people just brains go and they just don't think at all when it gets to the last second play. So, yeah, it was – other than that, Cole, I mean, Georgia, Georgia Tech, you said this was a decent game. I I think there's a legit thing with Georgia and Bama this past week and it's called look ahead. And I think it's a prime spot in rivalry games where they didn't respect their opponents uh, Bama's game, obviously, Bama could have easily lost, probably should have lost. Georgia took care of business, won the game, but it was a lot closer than the experts would have thought. Um, and I think it's a real thing uh, for these teams. Both teams know that regardless of that result, they're playing the next week. Um, now, Bama should have had a little more motivation than Georgia, but um, any other games you want to talk about for uh, before we get into some coaching changes? The uh, the Georgia-Georgia Tech game, it in both those games, like you said, I Michigan knows all about that look ahead game. I mean, every year before Ohio State, we look horrible, and we still like at least the last three years we have, and then we come out and beat Ohio State. So, like I said, that's why I wouldn't be worried if I'm a Bama fan um, or a Georgia fan. But that that was a really good game. Georgia Tech kept hanging in there. Um, they were winning for a lot of that first quarter, and then um, close game at half. Georgia kind of. Pretty much was just running it on them whenever they wanted, but Georgia Tech kept answering. Uh, they were within a touchdown late in the game, um, but the the thing was like they never were gonna. They Georgia Tech was never gonna win because Georgia would just hand the ball off and drive the field. Um, Carson Beck's really good. He is a very good quarterback. Um, but yeah, they didn't. It's it's a rivalry game, but I would say Georgia didn't look spectacular. Um, but look ahead. We'll see. I will say both these teams at least showed a little bit of that they bleed a little bit this past week. So it almost adds a little more to the what's going to happen this weekend in this next game. So but other than that, I think those are the, the big games of the day. Um, Kentucky kills Louisville uh, just to officially knock them out of the playoff. Florida State comes back with a really resilient win against Florida to stay alive. Um, Florida's horrible coaching and very undisciplined team. So that's why they lost. But yeah, it was it was a very good day of football. Um, for a slate that didn't look great, um, besides the Michigan Ohio State game, like as far as spreads go and favorites go, um, it was a there were a lot of good games and it was really fun and it's fun winning that first game at noon. That high the high pressure game's done and you just get to enjoy the rest of the day football of football just being filled with joy. Jeff, can you relate? I cannot relate, but I can relate to some excitement uh, for Michigan State uh, hiring Jonathan Smith. So I love this hire call. Um, I am, you obviously should be happy when your team gets a new head coach. And regardless of if you like that or not, um, I think Jonathan Smith is going to fit perfect at Michigan State. Kind of reminds me of a Tom Izzo type, uh, blue collar guy, uh, grinded it out. Um, and got his chance and is going to succeed. I was at the basketball game last night, uh, and they announced Jonathan Smith, and 
He just seems like he seems like the perfect guy to help Michigan State as a university, to be honest, not just football team, but uh, kind of get back to um, what Michigan State was, especially in football, but let alone just like a good guy leading the program. You look at Michigan State athletics right now are actually performing extremely well if you take out football. Um, hockey has got a revival. They're really good in hockey this year. Uh, men's basketball obviously was ranked to start the year. They're not ranked now, but for anybody that is listening to this podcast that is thinks Michigan State is going to have a bad year, um, I will quickly in future episodes tell you that that is not true, so don't worry about that. Um, and other teams are starting to do good. It's time to get football back in line. And Jonathan Smith is a great hire. Um, with that, six years at Oregon State, which is a hard place to win football games. Uh, you're the second fiddle in your state. And to be honest, he's coming to a state where they're the second fiddle. Uh, Oregon State was in the shadow of Oregon for pretty much, especially in football, uh, every year. And Michigan has been in the shadow of Michigan State recently. Or other way around, sorry. Michigan State has been in the shadow of Michigan. And so Jonathan Smith is the type of guy that he develops guys. I mean, he's not, yes, he brought in DJ uh, U this past year. He's not really the uh, go out and uh, transfer portal guy. Now he's going to have to do that at Michigan State because when you take over a program, you lose so many guys, you got to go out. I mean, they don't have a quarterback on scholarship right now. All three are in the portal, so he's going to have to get a quarterback. But I love it. I think when you look at what Michigan State needed, it was a guy like Jonathan Smith um, in the last three years. He's 25 and 13 at a very hard place to win football games. And he knows a bit about four of the teams that we have coming into this conference next year, which I like. I think that's a plus. Um, and I think he's exactly what Michigan State needed, Cole. Very excited for the Jonathan Smith era to begin and the portal to open up next week and uh, just to see what he can do in his first uh, offseason because it's it's hard. You're not going to come in there next year and make a playoff. You're not going to come in next year and probably be top of the Big Ten. Um, but with a good offseason in the portal and developing, uh, you can definitely get to a bowl at least year one and build from there. So I'm yeah, excited. I think it's uh, – I mean, it's it's the best hire so far. I mean, I think Jonathan Smith is a, is a home run hire. I think he fits – Michigan State really well. Um, I used to like him. Now I now I'm forced to not like him. Um, just that <laughs> that's what the milkman. But he is he is a great hire. I it would be ecstatic if I'm a Michigan State fan. I mean, when he took over Oregon State, they were down bad. They were w- winning one t- one game. They were like Vanderbilt is right now, kind of like Michigan State is right now, like. Um, like Kansas was when Leipold took over. They were that kind of program when he took over. And it took him a few years, as it should, because he has to get, one, his guys, two, his culture. And he has proven that he can build that. Um, he kind of reminds me of um, sort of when Mark D'Antonio took over Michigan State. He kind of built had to build that program up um, the way he wanted to. And the same, uh, similar when John Beeline took over Michigan he had to build it up his way. Um, it took him a few years to get there, but he did rebuild that program. And if you're Michigan State, first thing you need to do is be patient. Yes, it would be great to get a bowl, and with the with the transfer portal, it you you should be able to do it a little quicker. Um, but you saw what it took Matt Rule this year. He had the portal too, lots of nil money in Nebraska, and it takes you time. Matt and no one's Matt Rule is a great coach. I think. Um, I think 
this guy has proven that he can, he's going to build, he's going to gut this program and build it from the ground up uh, his way. And I've, I, I trust him. I, if I'm a Michigan state fan, just trust him, trust him to, to bring in the right guys, the right culture guys, um, the guys that are going to set the program up and the culture, the players that he's going to have in from day one is going to be the guys that are the foundation. You might not win a bunch of games at first, but they'll be the foundation of maybe a playoff team, a championship team. And let's say four years, uh, once that whole one recruiting cycle is all the way through. Um, so I, I would just, just, I know it's you're, you should be very excited right now, but be patient. I think he's going to pay off for you. Um, but I, I think he's the kind of guy that's going to do it from the ground up and really build that foundation. Yeah, he's going to he's gonna be great, and I think it was a, a great hire. Now, speaking of a pro, another program uh, that had their coaching uh, chaos, I would say, this past weekend, what the heck is Texas A&M doing? Um, because everyone wanted to say Texas A&M can go out and get that guy. They can go out and steal a Dan Landing, which was, that was crazy. Uh, Dabo Sweeney. Uh, people were talking about if Ohio State lost Ryan Day to go to Texas A&M. And they settle with Mike Stoops. Oh, wait. No, they didn't actually want Mike Stoops. They wanted Mike Elko. I just don't get how you say you're going to hire a guy. Now, I know more of that was um, the media and stuff. That's a horrible look. Uh, really tough, even for, I think, for Mike Elko. He's not going to complain because he's got a, a better job than he did uh, a week ago. But that's pretty tough when you, in a way, know you're the second choice for a team and Mike Stoops turns you down and stuff. But what the heck happened at Texas A&M with their coaching search? So there, there's two two things that could have happened here. One, it's what Stoops said and that he decided to not follow through with it. Or two, it's once they kind of put that feeler out there of the social media um, saying we're, we're, we're hiring Mark Stoops, it went to... Oh, fans are really, really not happy about this. Maybe, and maybe donors, the people who are paying to just get Jimbo fired and now paying for your new head coach, are saying, no, we don't want him. So it could have either been Texas and I'm saying, oh, never mind, after we saw this reaction, or could be what Stoop said. He decided not. So there's still some uh, ambiguity there. But I mean, I think they should have taken Mike Elko first. I think Stoops would have been a great hire for him. I really do. Cause he, he has proven with limited resources that he can go out and rip off some 10 win seasons. Um, but Elko is a guy who was their defensive coordinator back um, early uh, with Jimbo when they were actually put their better days. He is a guy who knows Texas A&M football. Uh, a lot of players that um, he recruited a lot of the players on this roster. A lot of the players want him, wanted him to be the head coach. A lot of, uh, donors who, who knew him, wanted him to be the head coach. And it's a lot cheaper. And I know everyone's saying, oh, Texas A&M, you have all this money. They just lost a lot of money paying to have a guy not coach their team anymore. Uh, they, the money is still money, and they do care about that. And I think they needed a grown-up in there, a guy who can run this program and be a good coach that also has a bunch of funds. I know a lot of people... By the way, there was talk about it, which I don't think it's Texas A&M's fault. I think a lot of its fault is uh, the media's fault for blowing up. Oh, Texas A&M has this money. They can get this guy. They can get this guy. And inflated fans' expectations of what they should be able to do. Texas A&M is a very good job. It's not a great program. And um, I, I do think that they are a 
just they are a sleeping giant. They can the right guy there. They can find a way. I think to get it eventually. Um, and I think Mike Elko is the guy who can lead them to that. I think a lot of the players are going to want to play for him. Um, and I don't blame Texas A&M for at least calling Dabo Sweeney, at least calling Dan Landing. I mean, just make them say no. Like, what is, what's wrong with, okay, what if what if by some miracle Dan Land's like, oh, actually, yeah, I've been wanting to go to Texas. Like, what if he decides, oh, I do want that job? You can't blame them for at least reaching out. The The problem is the fans were expecting them to get a guy like that, which obviously that was never going to happen. Um, but I think I think they, they also got another great, great hire. Um, well, obviously, only time will tell, but I, I really like the Elko hire. Did you like any else uh, of the moves that happened this week? I mean, there's still some. I know, obviously, uh, Mississippi State was a decent job. To be honest, Michigan State, Texas A&M were the two main jobs that I really wanted to hit on today. Do you want to hit on any other ones? Yeah, I think Mississippi State did a uh... – you would think you would want to get a guy with head coaching experience, kind of like they did with Dan Lan- uh, Dan Mullen and um, with Mike Leach. Um, but I think they did a good job of getting a guy who just has a good offense and uh, taking a, a flyer out on him. So they got Jeff Lebby, Oklahoma's offensive coordinator, s- scored multiple games over 60 points, which they're, I, think, I think they're the only team in the country that has three games over 60 points this year. Um if you're Mississippi State, the one thing you have to do is have a guy that is is have an offense. You can't play like Bama and Georgia. You can't try to be like, okay, defense first. You can't do that in the SEC. You can't try to have the same style of play as the teams that have that style of play and are just better than you. You got to have a guy who has unique offenses that can scheme around the talent discrepancy. Um, and I think it's worth taking a risk on a young OC because with Zach Arnett, what he was calling with defense, run the ball, that's what Georgia does. If you go up against Georgia, you're just going to be doing the same thing they're doing, but with worse players. That's what Bama does. You go up against Bama, you're going to do the same thing, but with worse players. That was never going to work. Um, and I think Mississippi State is smart. They know who they are. They know they need to get more of a creative guy to make him hard to plan for, hard to prepare for, and to be something that they're not used to seeing um, and to – scheme up plays and open guys that and kind of like cheat trick plays and it's hard to defend plays because you're not going to be able to do it with your personnel against obviously Bama and Georgia personnel and LSU. You have to have a scheme that can outweigh the personnel discrepancy that you have. So that's the only, I think that's, that's the last one I have. Obviously Duke's open now. Syracuse is uh, still open. I think, or they might've finally hired their guy. I think Syracuse did hire. Yeah, they're hiring Georgia's uh, one of Georgia's. Yeah, coaches. they're. He's there. He's the number one recruiter in the country according to twenty four seven Sports. So that's like maybe they're trying to get some guys in there. Um, but yeah, so we'll we'll see um, how the rest of the cards lay and um, if any more jobs come open. But uh, it seems like the dust is settling. They send the two biggest jobs. So let's get into. Uh, some of the games this week, obviously, it's a limited slate because it's conference championship week. Let's start with the big one that you are going to be at uh, Friday night in Vegas, Washington, Oregon, the rematch. And a game, to be honest w- with you, that I am uh, not surprised at all that the line's nine and a half. Uh, but for a lot of people that might be tuning into this, they're going to be shocked to see Oregon favored by nine and a half points. Oregon has looked. If you want to say like flashy and uh, offensive, and then even pl- 
all around has probably looked like the best team since their loss to Washington. Um, they are scoring at a unbelievably high rate. Bo Nix, every pass the guy throws seems to be a completion. I think he's going for a NCAA record in terms of, I think, 80% completion percentage. They just look really good. And Washington has not looked the best. I mean, they almost lost their rivalry game to Washington State. But I'm not going to hold that against them because of what I just talked about 20 minutes ago and how rivalry games, the Bama game against uh, Auburn, Georgia against Georgia Tech, there's a there's a real thing of looking ahead and sometimes not taking your rival as serious as you should. Um, so, Cole, this is a big game. It's going to be a great one for you to be at. I'm excited that you're going to be at this game. Um, and I, I'm big on Oregon in this game. I just think they look so dominant recently. I think it's really hard to beat a team twice. And I think Washington has trended down since that game. Oregon's trended up. Now, the one thing I will say, this is going to be in a perfect condition environment. Uh, it's a domed field. And I think you see a very high-scoring game because Penix is going to be able to sling it. Uh, Bo Nix is going to be able to. It's going to be a great game, Cole. My favorite game of the week. Yeah, I'm, Friday night. I am pumped. A winner gets into the playoff. Winner, this is let's this is a playoff game. Winner gets into the playoff. I am pumped to be there. Um, it is definitely going to be the most fun game of the weekend. I think. I think they're, you're seeing two elite offenses. Um, I, the one thing here, I think this. So the line opened, I think at seven and a half, six and a half. It's moved to nine and a half, which is a bunch of points. Oregon minus nine and a half is a lot of points, um, and it, it, it's it's hovering right now. It might, I think it might move to ten soon. Um, so I'll just keep an eye on that. But I think that Washington, what people people are, I think a little inflated on Oregon. I think Oregon will win this game. Um, I do think they have just the more complete, better roster. Um, but Washington still has not lost a game. They they continue to pass every test that is thrown their way, um, and this Washington team is the healthiest that it has been all year. So they have been dealing with injuries the last few weeks. Penix with some with the ribs, um, and just other guys around the field. This is the healthiest team that they have been uh, all year um, since the start, and that, I think that bodes really well for Washington. I think the fact that they know that everyone's doubting them will make it so they can't just fall asleep here. Um, and I think the fact that it's a dome tends to help Washington. Um, but I think it's good for both these teams, but I think it tends to help Washington just because they throw the ball further downfield more often. So I think, I do think Oregon's just a better team and they'll win, but I don't know. I think I definitely think nine and a half is way too many points, um, but it's it's going to be a very, very fun game, and I am excited to all the talk about the rematch that's happened all year. Um, I am blessed to be able to go to this game um, and to have had this. Obviously, when you buy the tickets, you don't know who's going to be in the game, and I'm blessed that it's turned out uh, to be an added playoff game and to come down to these two teams for a spot in the playoff. And I, it is going to be electric. It's going to be in the Death Star uh, in Las Vegas Allegiant Stadium, and it is going to be a fun one. A game that, to be honest, I'm not the most excited for just because I think it could be a blowout, and I'm not disrespecting Mike Gundy. I'm not. But I think Texas knows they have to make a statement in this game. Texas plays Oklahoma State Big 12 Championship at noon on Saturday. They are 14 and a half point favorites. 
against Oklahoma State. This is a Texas team that dominated Texas Tech last week. Finally kind of just dominated the team from start to finish. Uh, now Texas Tech has their flaws. Some games they look good. Some games they look horrible. That was a game they looked horrible. But I think this is a hard game for Oklahoma State because I think the one thing that Texas does is stop the run. And that is Oklahoma State's bread and butter. They have to run the football to set up uh, their passing game. And Ollie Gordon is, I mean, for anybody that's watched football this year, he has probably been one of the best running backs, maybe the best, definitely statistically in the country, but just performance-wise has been really good. Um, So, Cole, uh, not not the, the highest on this game, I would say, because I think Texas has to make a statement here. And I think Sark's going to make sure they are uh, revved up, ready to go, and ha- and know that, guys, if we win this game, we're not guaranteed in the playoffs. So we got to go out and show out. So I think this game could get ugly. I'm not going to pick it because I, who knows what could happen. But uh, I think Texas big here, Cole. Yeah, I think um, the most likely outcome is Texas just really putting their foot on the gas um, and doing everything they can. Um but Oklahoma State is a team that sometimes just outperforms what they're supposed to do. And Texas is a team that sometimes just underperforms what they're supposed to do. And I know, you know, there's there's one, they need to make a statement to, to jump some teams like Ohio State that they are still behind, like in Oregon that they are still behind. And they also need to, um, they, they, they really need to show that, listen, we if Bama were to beat Georgia, I don't think that Bama should be in. I've said this a lot. You guys know my take. The football game has to matter. It's a disgrace to football if it doesn't. Um, But there's still, you want to leave no doubt. And if it somehow has to come down to you two, you really want to leave a really good taste in the mouth of those voters and the people, the committee. So Jeff's right. You have to really go out and try to destroy Oklahoma state. But still got a guy who can take over a game in Ollie Gordon. And that's the one thing. If they can make this game go really fast and just take long drives running the football and just not giving Texas the ball back quick, um, they can at least stay in it towards the end of the game. I think that's their one hope is if they are just finding a lot of success and able to just do whatever they want on the ground. I think that's the key um, to this game for Oklahoma State to stay in it. But the most likely outcome is Texas runs away with it, and that's absolutely what they need. I'm telling you right now, Cole. If Alabama beats Texas or Alabama beats Georgia, I am I'm promising you on the podcast right now that Alabama will jump Texas and whatever. The thing is, if Alabama wins against Georgia, the number one team in the country, they will be in over Texas. If it comes down to those, I don't know if I agree because yes, the game should matter that they played earlier, but. Who knows, to be honest. So I want to go to that team, Alabama, uh, plays Georgia, and probably the, I would say, the closest uh, playoff, or the closest game for a playoff in a way, in terms of like what uh, the spread is. It's supposed to be a really close game. It opened at four, it's up to five and a half. Uh, six and a half. Six and a half. I got a five and a half. Oh, you're right. F- FanDuel six and a half. Yeah. I like that. Okay. Good to know. Thanks. I might need that in a few minutes. So, uh, I think this game is going to be really good. I think both these teams can match up well with the other. Um, Alabama's defense has been pretty underrated for most of the year. I mean, this is a team that for a half against LSU looked, 
uh, a bit shaky. But that second half really turned it on against an offense that is very elite. And yeah, we got to give props to like you said earlier, Carson Beck. He is he has been a lot better than I anticipated for sure. Um, and I think it's going to be a great game, Cole. I'm not going to give you my prediction because it's one of my picks of the week. Uh, but I think this is going to be a great game. I do have a future on Alabama to win the SEC, so there might be some uh, excitement for that. But I think this is going to be a great game, Cole, that is exactly what uh, the SEC should have came down to and is going to come down to. I think Alabama is not going to win this game. Um Carson Beck has been playing way too well. Um, look, I've already I've already gone away from the Bama take that I was on earlier, whatever. I do think Carson Beck has been playing too well, and everyone's so oh, Milrow's been this, Milrow's been that. Milrow's been playing not the greatest of teams and the greatest of defenses. Um, Carson Beck continues to just be that. He just keeps making really good decisions and being just that big, strong quarterback, making good throws. Um this Georgia team is getting pretty healthy. The defense, uh, I think, is smart enough and is unlike any defense Milrow have played. Um, and when teams have played Milrow right, he has looked definitely not like a Heisman candidate um, when a defense has played him right. And I just don't think that – I think Kirby Smart is too good of a defensive coach, not for Alabama, but too good of a defensive coach for Milrow to be super successful. Um and the way Carson Beck's been playing, Alabama has been a little vulnerable with the pass. At least they were early in the year against Texas. Um, and we could see that issue rear its head again. Um, I, I, I'm i not super high on both of these teams, to be honest. I mean, they're both, like, obviously national champion contenders. Whoever wins this game is very much national championship contenders. But I'm not even, like, incredibly high on any of these teams. But... Um, I do think Georgia will win this game. Okay. I knew you wouldn't pick Alabama, and that's fine. That's all good. Uh, Michigan, Iowa, and this is not because of, obviously, Ohio State not being in this game, Cole, but this game sucks. Like, I mean, obviously, Michigan fans are going to love it because Michigan's going to win the game. Um, I, I'm i just telling you Michigan's going to win this football game. I've watched Iowa the last six weeks. I've bet on them every single time, and they've come through for me pretty much in the games I've uh, bet on, uh, when you see an over-under of 35.5 and, and then the team favored by 21.5, if that doesn't scream to you, uh, this offense sucks for the other team, I don't know what does. Now, obviously, don't take anything away from Michigan's elite defense, but if Iowa gets 10 points in this game, I'm going to be shocked. Uh, I mean, I think Iowa's over-under for points is 6.5 or something. I it's crazy. This game sucks. Uh, it would suck if Ohio State was in it. It really would. Um, and Michigan's going to win three straight Big Ten championships. And thank God we get rid of this stupid Big Ten west of a, a joke that every year, year in and year out, they never can put a team that can compete with the Big Ten East. And obviously the Big Ten East has only been the only team in the Big Ten West that has competed against a team really and pushed it to the limit was Iowa when they played Michigan State, and Michigan State scored on a game-winning touchdown. So any game against Michigan and Ohio State, that team's got no chance. So thank goodness. This is a perfect way to end it with just a horrible offensive team of Iowa uh, to end the Big Ten as we know it. Um, and it'll be a good win for Michigan and uh, a rough day for 
Deacon Hill, the big boy at quarterback for Iowa. Yeah, it's just um, apologies in advance to Iowa. Cade McNamara hates Michigan. I mean, he, I don't know if any, you've seen what he said. But yeah, he's just giving he's just giving fuel to the fire. The guy's a moron. Yeah. Like, why would you make a team that's better than you even more motivated to come in there and kill you? It's it's absolutely crazy. He's he's very petty. I always had, I, like, there I could kind of tell last year during or in twenty twenty one during his post game press conferences, like a little bit how almost petty he was, uh, a little insecure, um, kind of soft. Uh, I don't like using this term, but beta esque, um, and he he just the Michigan players say, "Hey, I'm excited to go play." They see Cade, see Eric, and just like play against him again and just catch up with them. Cade is saying, "Oh yeah, I'm giving. I'm not playing this week, but I'm giving the whole team everything I know about that other team." Doesn't even won't even say Michigan by name, and it's just it is it is a crazy move by him when it's all love coming from the other side. Um, Michigan, he had a special place in Michigan's hearts forever. Like if all he had to do was not be a little baby and every Michigan fan was going to love him forever. He brought us our first win against Ohio state in a long time. I would have loved him forever. And I would have always had nothing but good things to say about him. But the way he's turned his back is like, all right, buddy, like you weren't even the guy, like it was our running back. It was our offensive line. It was our defense. But anyway, I'll have to say, I think it was, I saw somewhere it was plus money. Uh, I can't do these bets in, in uh, Arizona, but that Iowa uh, over point total was half a point. Like, well, Iowa's go like that is in the first half. That's crazy. Um, I mean, that just tells you kind of how bad Alabama's uh, or Iowa's offense is. Um, Michigan's going to win this game. Uh, they have to score. I think Michigan has to score 14. They have to score 10 points and they win at the least. They score 10 points. The game's over. Um, So yeah, it's just moving on another big 10 champion. It's going to be really funny seeing Tony Petiti hand Jim Harbaugh, the uh, big 10 championship trophy. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's good. Hey, good for us, Michigan. Good for us. So the last game on uh, that will be at eight o'clock. And this is the game I will be watching. Uh, we're good just because I'm not going to watch the Michigan game because it's going to suck. And then Florida State's a two-and-a-half-point favorite against Louisville. Uh, this one's interesting to me because I have a future on Florida State making the playoff. But to be honest, I should be rooting for Louisville because if I want any chance at Ohio State getting in, and I think that is a very slim chance, Florida State would have to lose this. But Florida State's going to win this game. Um, they're they're going to win this game. Uh, I don't have much confidence in Louisville after losing to Kentucky, and that's all I'm going to say on this game. Cole, I just think Florida State's going to win, and it should not be under a field goal. I know Tate Rodemaker is the quarterback, but Tate Rodemaker did not look horrible against Florida, um, and so that's just my take on this game. Real yeah, I, I wouldn't look too deep into this, Louisville losing to Kentucky, just for the very simple fact of Louisville – beat Notre Dame, and then lost to Pittsburgh. I mean, it's just like, I don't know. Louisville, I think they can sometimes show up and be really good and also play really bad. Um, So if the Louisville that showed up against Notre Dame shows up, I'm not saying they'll win, but I think they'll give Florida State uh, a run for its money. Um, I 100% think if Florida State wins, they're in it and they should be in. However, I want Louisville to win because I don't want Florida State to be in. I think the playoff is better without Florida State in the game. However, in an ideal world, Florida State wins and, and Georgia loses and Michigan gets to play Florida State in the first round. Um, 
or maybe they would be the two. I don't know. I would love to play. If I'm Michigan, I would love to play Florida State in the first round. Um, but I don't think the most fun playoff is with Florida State in it. So I honestly, anything could happen here, and I wouldn't be surprised in this game just because both teams uh, sometimes good, sometimes bad. And it'll be. I think it'll be a good game. But um, my preference for the likability of the playoff would be Florida State does not make it in. Um, but they should if they win. So I hope they lose. So the last game I know you wanted to talk about real quick, um, I've watched Tulane a few times. I have not watched SMU, um, but this is a top 25 game. Tulane's a three-and-a-half-point favorite. This is a Tulane team that last year is coming off a Cotton Bowl win against USC. Um, Cole, give our fans that probably don't know much about these two teams uh, the, the Cole Morris uh thoughts on it yeah so uh unfortunately smu uh their starting quarterback uh just went down uh which is uh, a real shame obviously this is the game like these games mean so much more to these teams than uh the other teams as far as the ones that aren't necessarily playing for a a playoff because all that matters to these two teams is getting a new year's six bed that's the peak of mid-major uh college football um and so this is just a giant game for your, your school is changed. It gets a lot of money if you get to go to one of these New Year's Six games. These players want to be able to play on that big stage. Like it is, this is, These are four-year, five-year schools where these players go in and out, and they are, they are diehard. These are football lovers. It's not a lot of money in these schools. Um, and it's, it's a game that really means a lot to both these programs, financially and just emotionally uh, in, in, in their heart. So... Um, Tulane obviously has Michael Pratt, who's an incredible quarterback. They have an incredible head coach who's in line for a lot of jobs. Um, and I think Tulane's going to win this game. Um, but SMU has been on a tear lately. Um, and they, they, they're not a bad team. Um, and SMU's last game in, uh, the AAC as before they move to the ACC next year, they subtract an A and gain a C. Um, but, uh, I do think I think Tulane's going to win this game. It's only three and a half point spread. Uh, I've seen Tulane in this spot. I trust Tulane more. Um, both undefeated in conference play, so that's exciting. Um, and yeah, I mean it matters who gets to play in that uh, that New Year's Six game. It matters a lot. So um, that yeah, keep an eye on it. it. It does mean a lot for these two programs. It's, it should be a really good football game. Liberty has an outside chance of being in that New Year's Six game if. Tulane loses, um, but I think SMU would jump Liberty if they beat Tulane. So uh, that's just my little thought, and uh, keep keep an eye on it. Yeah, it's a big one for Tulane because next year they're a team that can actually get into a playoff if they uh, are as good as they've been this year. So it's a game that you definitely want to get going into a new playoff era. So, Cole, this is our last technically A-plus picks of the week. We're, we have a fun thing for our fans we want to share uh, when all the bowl games are announced, but – um, this is the last week of the A-plus picks of the week. You need a good week. Uh, well, actually not. If you go like if you go 3-2, and two, you'd end 500 on the year. But you're going to go 5-0 and oh here on your A-plus picks of the week. I am pretty comfortable in terms of the uh, above 500 record, but I want to go out with a bang too. So, Cole, what is your first pick for championship week? Yeah, I mean, I 4-1 and one last week. Uh, I was right there from that five and zero to get me above five hundred, but hey, I'm only one off. It was a big week. My first play comes on Friday, and it is over sixty five and a half points. 
Uh, we hit the over last time, even though I predicted the under by a stupid Washington field goal at the end. Um, but give me the over. Washington State or Washington. I was going. I was thinking of Washington. Never mind. Uh, Florida State minus two and a half. Uh, I just told you guys I think they're going to win and under a field goal. Give me Florida State minus two and a half. Washington plus nine and a half. I just I do think I think Oregon will probably win. But that's so many points. That's a lot of points that I don't know if I don't think Oregon's 10 points better than Washington. I could be proven wrong, but that line has moved a lot based on where the money's going. Um, and I, I think I think nine and a half is way too many points. If it gets to 10 or 10 and a half, I would advise most people to take it. Yeah, I think if it gets to 10, I'll bet watch or I'll bet. Uh, yeah, Washington. But um, if it's under 10, I'm actually probably going to side with Oregon. But that means I'm not going to make a play for it on the podcast. So I'm going to go Alabama plus six and a half. No shocker here that uh, Alabama is a team that I think is going to win this game. Um, and I think you are going to see uh, Jalen Milrow have a really good game. So Alabama plus six and a half. I see this game coming down to a field goal at the end. And if you give me six and a half, that's a lot of points. All right, my next one, uh, I think Tulane is going to win by three and a half points. So Tulane minus three and a half. I just think they're... Uh, SMU is gutted uh, with the injury to their starting quarterback, and Tulane has been here before, uh, and they're they're just a really good team. Keep it moving. That's my pick. That's my third pick. I got Tulane minus three and a half as well. All right, the next one is over thirty four and a half points. Michigan at Iowa. Um, I just think Michigan uh, is just going to wear and wear and wear on Iowa to where they'll be demoralized early. Um, they scored a lot of points on Iowa last year when they had their amazing defense, and then. Uh, that was in the regular season. Then the year before, they did the exact same thing in the playoff, or not in the playoff, in the Big Ten Championship. Michigan knows how to score points on Iowa. They know how to out-physical them, uh, which is something a lot of teams can't do. Um, and I think they're, just, they're typically a bad matchup for Iowa, especially because they don't turn the ball over much. Give me Miami of Ohio plus 7.5 against Toledo in the MAC Championship. These teams played earlier this year. Toledo won by 3. Um, these are the two best teams in the MAC by far, which is good to get in your conference championship game. And so, give me a close game, maybe a touchdown win from Toledo that would still cover. So, Miami, Ohio, plus seven and a half. Toledo is another team with a pretty outside chance, but a slight chance at making uh, the New Year's Six game to be the one team. I don't think they will. I don't think they have, but they do have an outside chance at it. They're they're a really good football team, but. Um, I mean, I don't hate your pick at all. I'm just just showing Toledo some love. Um, just showing that there is some something at stake for this program as well. Um, my last pick is under 47 and a half points for Louisville at Florida State. Um, this this game seems just kind of like a grittier game uh, to me personally, and I think that um, just I think we'll see more with Florida State without its quarterback, um, without Jordan Travis. That I don't know if Florida State will lose the game. Like I said. Um, I just think that both these offenses aren't amazing at times, and this could be more of an uglier game um, where you're just kind of fighting for every yard and uh, trying to run the ball more. So I'm going to go with your pick again, and that is Washington, Oregon, over 65.5 points. I was down to two things. I didn't like my other line. I was going to take Texas minus 14.5, but that's a big number in a conference championship game. So I'm going to take the over and hope for an amazing game for Cole on Friday, but even just for me watching at home, I think that's uh, 
It's going to be a really good game. So we do want to – I really quickly – uh, this is not even, I mean, we're going to talk a minute to two minutes, if that. Uh, this is a long episode for you guys, but it was a jam-packed. We had a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, college hoops is starting to pick up some steam. Uh, last week, the Maui Invitational, Purdue dominated um, and really kind of put a lot of the uh, people that said Purdue is not going to have a chance because of the tournament setting. I know it's Maui. I know it's not the NCAA tournament, but it's quick turnarounds. And Purdue has gotten a lot more athletic. I just want to tell people that um, they have brought in uh, guys that have made that team a lot more athletic. And Braden Smith, the point guard, has taken massive steps. So Purdue is a team really keep an eye on. Um, The other team I want everyone to keep an eye on, Kentucky. Uh, I'm really high on Kentucky this year, really high. They played Miami of Florida last night on Tuesday and blew them out. Miami, Florida is a legit team to win the ACC. Uh, They have returners from the team that got to the Final Four last year, and Kentucky destroyed them without their highest-rated recruit still, that Aaron Bradshaw. He's supposed to be back in the next week. Um, Reed Shepard, he's one of the most fun guys to watch in college hoops. He's a little white guy for Kentucky, five-star freshman. Kid can shoot the ball. He made, I think, seven threes last night. So those are my two kind of teams of the week, I would say, in terms of teams I want you to keep an eye on. Michigan State's playing a lot better. Uh, Played Arizona on Thanksgiving. To be honest, uh, probably should have won that game towards the end, uh, but Arizona uh, is a better team right now, and they won the game. Uh, It was a tough week for Michigan. Uh, They went 1-2 and at the battle for Atlantis. They've lost a little bit of steam, but uh, it's kind of ironic that people are like, they've lost their steam when Jawan came back. So I don't... I don't know, but uh, those are those were hard teams they played as well. Like, you lose to Memphis, tournament team. You beat Stanford, which there's some people that think they could be a tournament team. And then you lose to Texas Tech, and they're always a fringe um, NCAA tournament team or not. So, wouldn't worry too much, Michigan. But Big Ten play starts next week, Cole. Uh, Michigan State plays Wisconsin Tuesday night, and I think – Michigan plays Indiana to start Big Ten, but I might be wrong. So that's my kind of my two minutes of college hoops call. You got two minutes. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to use the whole two minutes. Uh, first thing is, Jawan Howard, you will not find me defending him. So don't worry about that. I mean, I agree. Um, so it's just, yeah, it is what it is there. I'm not going to go too much into it. I'm just going to keep supporting and hope for the best. Um, when it comes to it, if, if, if words need to be said, I will – uh, have a stronger take, but let's see uh, this season kind of play out more as he gets more uh, acclimated to the team. Um, I, I, t- Purdue is dominant. Purdue is very impressive, and I, they've really scheduled a tough early schedule, and they have just been passing uh, every test that's put in front of them. They are better than last year. Um, hey, they won a tournament, they won, they won a tournament. So let's see if maybe that can translate to the end of the year, which it hasn't in the past. But do not forget what Virginia did the year after they lost to a 16 seed in the, in the tournament. The next year, they went and won the NCAA title. And could Purdue, could that be a trend? It's only happened once, but does Purdue keep that, uh, make that a trend? Because uh, right now, I would say they, they look like the best team uh, at, for sure through the first uh, few weeks, month of the year. Um, and then, like I said, Kentucky's been unreal. Uh, just from games I'm looking at right now, St. Joseph's is up on Villanova 52-45 to 45 as they start the, and halfway through the second half. So 
hey, that's where Phil Martelli came from. Uh, that's who the guy who helps Michigan win until Juwan Howard gets back. Um, and then uh, North Carolina, there's four minutes to go in the first half, and they have 52 points already on Tennessee, which is absolutely crazy. But um, that's just my I, – I'm still slowly diving in. If you want to ask me about small-time ball, I know about small-time ball. I've, I'm 6-0 and the last two days, hitting parlays. I have, I've already made uh, – quite a bit of units uh, on I'm very positive on the year and we're just going to keep going up and up and I'll I know I've only posted one time but the one time I posted my picks they went three and oh so once I find another board I really like I'll I'll try to start posting those more consistently yeah Cole's the uh, mid-major better of the year it seems so far I don't think he's lost any so uh, we are going to see you guys and we're going to record an episode this upcoming Sunday, and that is going to be a big episode for college football. We're going to have all the college uh, playoff discussion. We're going to know the exact playoffs. We're going to know the New Year's Six Bulls, and uh, it's going to be a fun one. And then we're also going to talk a little bit more college hoops going into next week with college football dying down. Um, and you'll have to tune in next week for another episode of A Degree in Sports.